Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now... Here's your host, Brian Barnhart. All right, welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts coming your way on this Friday as we are near the end of the month of April. What uh, Today's the next to last day. The last uh, day is tomorrow. We'll be at April 30, then we're into May next week. Good to have you with us here on this Friday, 217-356-9397 is our phone line number. Text line is 217-351-5357, and you can email us, talk at wdws.com. lot to talk about today. We'll have an open line here for about 45 minutes or so. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Kiwanis-Tom Jones Challenger League. That's something I've been involved with uh, for about 20 years. Uh, they start their season soon. If you've got a youngster who would like to participate in the uh, Kiwanis-Tom Jones Challenger League, we've got some information for you on that and uh, kind of give some details and where you can sign up if you've got a youngster that you'd like to uh, see play in the league. Tom Jones, our late friend, Passed away, uh, I think in 2008, I think is when Tom passed away, a local sportscaster that started the league and wanted kids with um, the ability to play baseball. Everybody can play baseball, regardless of their uh, varying degrees of physical or mental challenges. He wanted to provide a place for them to play, and man, has that league grown from a couple of teams to about a dozen, about ten, I guess, and uh, from a handful of players to a hundred at one time here in recent years, been unable to really play much the last couple of years due to COVID, but uh, back at it here starting in May, and we'll tell you about that. And then we'll do our Flashback Friday. We'll give you the topic here in just a little bit, as we do on the last hour, the last Friday of the month, here on A Penny for Your Thoughts, and we'll have some fun with that. So anyway, lots of things to talk about today, and uh, let's see here. Looking ahead to next week, Monday at 10 a.m., farm broadcaster Max Armstrong will be with us. We'll talk to him about um, getting ready to plant. Or if I guess some people are, but uh, you know, trying to get that started. What the outlook is for the year. What about Ukraine? Its impact on agriculture, etc. Any questions you have for Max? Great guy, great broadcaster. We'll have him on Monday at ten. State Senator Chapin Rose will join our community violence forum conversation on Wednesday, and then Jim Dye with me next Thursday. Uh, some of the uh, national headlines, Disinformation Governance Board. 
administration announcing that yesterday. What in the world does that mean? Uh, we've got, uh, let's see, a financial incentive on the way for academic achievements at the uh, University of Illinois. This is a couple of anniversaries. The World War II monument opened in Washington, D.C. on this day back in 2004. don't know if you've seen that. I have. It's spectacular. Prince William and Kate Middleton got married on this day back in 2011, so there's a couple of interesting notes. And this is the 30-year anniversary, and the guys talked about this this morning, of the start of the uh, riots in Los Angeles over the uh, acquittal of three Los Angeles Police Department officers and the videotape beating of Rodney King. Over a billion dollars in damages over the next six days. It was on this day 30 years ago they were acquitted. And uh, that kind of lit the match to all of that. NFL draft last night. Still waiting to hear about uh, our guys, some of our guys, Kirby Joseph, Vidarian Lowe, Blake Hayes, whether they'll be drafted around two coming up. And the Postal Service being sued by 16 states and a climate organizations and auto unions on their new delivery trucks. So what, does that make any sense? We'll talk about that. And if you have something you want to bring up locally or otherwise, certainly you can do that. Uh, busy weekend, the uh, Christie Race Weekend, of course. Uh, got the 5K and the half marathon this weekend. No marathon this weekend, but um, if you missed any of Jan Seeley's conversation with Scott back, uh, I think, on Monday of this week or earlier in the week, you can uh, certainly go back and look that up. But uh, a lot of things happening uh, in that regard this weekend. And the uh, spring sports, Lanai Golf going for another Big Ten championship. I forget how many they've won, but it's been a bunch. And uh, women's tennis, men's tennis, postseason. Baseball we've got coming up today on the radio. They juggled the start time. It'll be at 11. We'll join the uh, baseball broadcast from Indianapolis, not from Indianapolis, from Bloomington, Indiana, with uh, Scott Beatty. That game was originally going to be at 6, and now it'll be at 11. So we'll have that for you here coming up when we're done. 9-11 at DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us. Precision Painting is one of our sponsors. We're glad to have them as well. A-rated by Angie's List, recipient of the Super Service Award for the last two years. Chad Ebert is the man to contact. He wants you to know Precision Painting's employees are full-time, long-term, and trustworthy. They'll help you with the colors if you'd like. They can send you full-size sample sheets. If you want that, they'll move the furniture for you all that sort of thing, uh, and just make this as easy a process and very professionally done. Uh, call or text at 217-637-6288 or go to their website, ywhyprecision.com. And they're confident you'll be happy, guaranteed. Chad Ebert, Precision Painting, uh, they'll do a great job for you. Interior painting, think about it. Nine twelve. back in a moment here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Nine fifteen on a penny for your thoughts. Good to have you with us. Blake Land is our producer today, uh, as usual. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Text line is two one seven three five one five three five seven, and you can email us talk at wdws dot com. 
Some text here. Uh, locally, some local news with the rele- revelations in today's News Gazette. The Unit 4 needs a million dollars for roof upgrades to recently remodeled buildings that just cost many millions. Two million on a multilingual welcome center, but only, I guess that's 500,000. I've got enough zeros there. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, 500,000 for special ed. A vastly unpopular school assignment policy that buses most kids miles from their home school with hour-long bus rides, high raises for administration before any contracts for support personnel, already vastly understaffed. It's time for Unit 4 leadership to come on the air and provide some answers. So they're talking about uh, Unit 4 schools there. Uh, and, of course, we've had the, what, the referendum from several years ago now that uh, they're starting to get near the end of the finish line, I think, on all the different buildings they've remodeled. I think we've talked to the folks over there over the years on the cost of all of that and how that adds up and so forth. And, of course, you just had the uh, contract settlement here recently with the teachers and the school district. And another text says, uh, any thoughts on the lady who got 10 years for killing Lieutenant Sanders in a DUI accident? I don't know about thoughts, but the story is in the News Gazette. Uh, This is from August of 2021. Logan Freed. Champaign woman was sentenced uh, Thursday by Champaign County Judge Adam Dill in a packed courtroom. Freed pleaded guilty in February to aggravated driving under the influence in connection with the August 22-21 incident accident at Prospect Avenue Church in West Champaign that killed U of I Lieutenant uh, Aaron U of I Police Lieutenant Aaron Landers, 50 of St. Joseph. According to police reports, about 6:10 that Sunday, Freed was driving a sport utility vehicle. West on Church ran the uh, red light at Prospect, colliding with a car that was northbound on Prospect and sending it into the path of uh, Lieutenant Lander's motorcycle, which was headed south on Prospect. And you can read all the story there. There's a whole page of it. Uh, They had two victim impact statements read aloud by Lieutenant Lander's wife, Dee, and her son. And obviously they're very... um, very sorrowful. It's had a huge impact on them. But uh, you can read about it in the News Gazette. All right, uh, 918 here at News Talk 1400 DWS. In business since 1985, 35-plus years, Roger Ochiltree, roofs by Roger. Not a storm chaser roofing company. In fact, uh, they say they receive calls from clients who need them to repair the work done by roofing companies that came through after a storm. Local and long-time pillar in the community. No down payment required. Pay only when work is completed to satisfaction. They offer enhanced warranties. All new roofs come with a 50-year system warranty. As a GAF-certified master elite installer, able to offer these extended warranties. By the way, only 3% of roofing contractors in the U.S. hold the highest distinction of being a master elite contractor. Never leave a job partially completed to work on another job. That's part of their uh, message that they want to get out to you. And the services, of course, include roofing, gutters, gutter guard, windows, and siding. Roger Ochiltree, again the owner. They work with insurance companies on handling the claims, so you don't have to. Free estimates, residential and commercial. Of course, the phone number, 217-834-3800. 217 834 3800. 919 at DWS. 
Back in a moment here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. We'll do our Flashback Friday here coming up in just a little bit here on Penny. All right, back on a penny for your thoughts here, 922 at uh, DWS. All right, let's see here some of the uh, national headlines and a couple of editorials I uh, came across today. Uh, One says, Democrats are lost at the border. And there's an article on that. The Congressional Hispanic Caucus met with Joe Biden this week to demand an end to Title 42 border restrictions, as well as new protections for hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants. Texas Representative Henry Cuellar, who knows a little something about politics, wasn't along for the ride. He represents the 28th District, which stretches from San Antonio to the Mexican border. South Texas has long been a Democratic stronghold. Mr. Cuellar is the 28th man. As the Democratic Party shifts ever left, he stayed true to guns, God, energy, jobs, and border security. His voters, 76% Hispanic, uh, largely blue-collar and socially conservative, have rewarded him with 17 years in Congress. And uh, yet this editorial says, Biden, Mr. Biden's stunning mismanagement of the border and the economy is putting Mr. Cuellar and other border representatives at risk. Mr. Cuellar will have a November race on his hands, that is, even if he gets that far. He's got to survive a May 24th runoff against a progressive candidate, Jessica Cisneros, a progressive attorney who supports lifting Title 42. But I just found the headline interesting, Democrats lost at the border. Then you get the other editorial here that says Republicans' midterm play scare up another border crisis. And it says White House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy touched down in Texas on Monday to lead a flock of Republican lawmakers on a tour of the southern border. Said if President Biden wants to lift Title 42, he should come down here, McCarthy said. Shortly thereafter, uh, Donald Trump's political action committee sent one of his trademark emails linking to a Washington Examiner article titled, Biden's Border Neglect Has Caused the National Security and Drug Crisis. And uh, this editorial says, see a pattern here. Most liberals and Democrats probably think the midterms will be mostly about inflation. And that may be so, but if you follow right-wing media, you'll hear the word border just about as often. This editorial says, Republicans see Title 42 and the border generally as their preferred attack strategy for some of the most vulnerable incumbent senators across the country up for re-election this cycle. They say they're trying to use it as a tool either to split red state incumbent Democrats from the Biden administration or bash those candidates and lawmakers as flip-floppers or tone-deaf Democrats who turn a blind eye to border security. Anyway, there's uh, two opposing viewpoints or thoughts. It's just interesting to me. It's just fascinating when you read <laughs> the two camps and uh, how they go after each other. And it's, it's pretty amazing. All right, uh, there's that. Uh, some of the other headlines today, GOP lawmakers grilling Mayorkas over the lack of border enforcement. The Texas Attorney General suing Biden administration over asylum plan. Uh, The inflation gauge up, surging 5.2% in March. GDP went down 1.4% in the first quarter. 
And uh, Biden digs in on Ukraine strategy, $633 billion more in aid. And uh, on to the social media stories, Musk told uh, banks he'll rein in Twitter, pay, make uh, money from tweets. And Musk also saying uh, today's Democratic Party has been hijacked by extremists. So anyway, those are some of the um, stories that are out there. 217-356-9397-926. Let's go to Mark. How you doing, Mark? Hey, good morning, Brian. I'm doing quite well. Good. Uh, I wanted to clarify some of the comments from yesterday. Uh, one, I got a great life. You know, Jimmy, you think I ought to go walk in Allerton for two hours? Dude, I live in Allerton. I live on the river. I got the, the largest hardwoods in the county are on my property. Uh, I got a deep hole on the river where I can fish and catch anything I want in a matter of minutes. My life is full. My cup runneth over in all respects. I got a great family, and I have a very balanced life. How people can judge me on a three-minute phone call I make every three weeks is beyond understanding. Uh, you know, I, I could talk basketball with you, Brian, all day long. I know basketball inside and out. I can do a pretty good job on baseball and football, too. But unfortunately, uh, I have this priority thing. and Not unfortunately. The reality is I, I prioritize what I want to talk about. Plenty of people call in and talk about sports. I don't need to add to that. That's kind of where I come from. You know, as far as the Christian thing goes, we all are members of the same body. I consider myself, if I was to say anything, I, I'm more like the watchman on the wall. I see what's coming on, and I want to warn uh, my local citizens, my, my, my extended family, if you will, that there's some really dark days ahead. We're at the end of the age. And if you don't see it yet, you're, you're just not tuned in to the reality, in my opinion, because the signs of the times are everywhere. And, you know, that Liz did a great call, and I appreciate what she had to say yesterday. And, uh, you know, a fellow talked about Afghanistan and, you know, us leaving $85 billion worth of hardware there. I, I spoke about what the plan is, and they must dismantle our military. And they're getting rid of our hardware every way they can. This is not stupidity. This is by design. So, you know, I... Uh, I have this propensity to spend uh, some free time on the Internet. I enjoy it. I want to be as up as I can be on what's going on in the world because I'm not going to get it on any mainstream media. You know, Brian, I appreciate your thoughts and your concerns, but we you have a different job, obviously. You, you want to have a good, fun show, and I appreciate a fun show. Uh, I like humor. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what else to say when it comes to my life. People are concerned. I got a great life. I'm concerned about what's going on. I prioritize things, and that's all there is to it. All right. Thank you, sir. Well, Appreciate yeah, and, and I, I hope you understand, Brian. I think you and I could sit around the table and have a very good time. I'm not this crazy guy. I'm just focused on what I see happening, and people don't understand how fast this is coming together. You know, God said we're going to have ourselves some really bad times, and pretty much it's all being 
set up for us. And as a watchman on the wall, that's why I kept saying, buy more food, buy more food. Well, look where we're at today, you know. Uh, so I, I hope people understand the, the government is no longer on our side. And I think there's no rule of law. People need to pay attention because it's going to affect every single person who hears my voice this second. So, All right. Thank God you, bless sir. you, buddy. All right. See you later. Thank you, sir. Bye. Appreciate it. Uh, 9.30 at DWS. Uh, hey, good morning, Brian. I can tell you exactly what the Disinformation Governance Board is about. Uh, I don't know if you saw that uh, particular story that came out yesterday. Uh, let's see here. It'll be a group of hand-picked Democrats and a few Democrat or a few Republicans like Adam Kinzinger that will label everything a Republican, such as disinformation, and give Democrats a pass. Think of the last five years of Democrat-led Trump investigations that haven't found anything. Funny how we're finding out stuff that social media labeled as Trump disinformation is now turning out to be true. All right, appreciate that text on the Castle uh, Heating and Cooling text line. Uh, can you find out how the app where we can follow live scoring at Big Ten Golf? Yeah, I think we can probably figure that out uh, somewhere along the way. They're over in French Lick, Indiana. Uh, gas in Germany, another texture says, converted to gallons, dollars, is $11 a gallon. I'm sure all your Trump listeners will blame Biden. <laughs> For gas in Germany, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the Germans have their own problems with the uh, European Union. Uh, a lot of their countries being pressured to continue to somehow cut off their uh, supply of gasoline or uh, oil, gasoline, whatever it is, from Russia. Natural gas, I think. And uh, they're kind of dependent on that. So some of those countries, like Germany, are like, I eh, don't know if that's what we want to do because they know that could be a problem. So anyway, uh, interesting times we live in for sure. All right, uh, 932, let's get our latest news update here from CBS. We'll do our Flashback Friday here in just a little bit. And we'll talk uh, Kiwanis Tom Jones Challenger League in a few minutes too here near the end of the hour. Our news this hour brought to you by First Mid Bank and Trust, providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. 933 or CBS. Back on a penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. Our flashback Friday coming up in the uh, next hour. And we will uh, have uh, some folks on, or a gentleman on here, Rick Shell, a friend of mine from uh, Tom Jones' Kiwanis Challenger League, will join us here in just a little bit. Their season getting underway soon. Uh, hey, Brian, good morning. What a chilling attack on free speech and our constitutional rights. It's a sad day in America when our government resorts to becoming the speech police is the only way to win elections. They have a proven record of using the government to control speech as the Obama administration's Louise Lerner used the IRS to stop conservative groups from receiving tax-exempt status. Now we have this new person, uh, Nina Jankowicz, who's supposed to decide what is dangerous speech and who was involved in helping to spike the Hunter laptop story is fake to help Joe Biden be elected. Now we have Durham indicting people, John Durham, indicting people from the Clinton campaign for lying. 
Uh, let's see here. A uh, listener says, uh, I have to shake my head whenever Mark Thompson calls in because you do not like what he says or his delivery of the messages. You do like the rest of the liberals is demean him, calling him obsessive compulsive. That's a trick of the left. Saying he's such things as he's a racist, he's a homophobe, he's crazy. It's evident you don't like his message. His delivery is a bit intense. I told Mark it's a sports talk call-in show, nothing more. Don't waste your breath. All right, on the text line, 217-351-5357. And all kinds of opinions out there, I guess, right? Uh, hey, Brian, a throwback tidbit. Mark built and flew the blimps around the U of I football and basketball games. I didn't know that. All right. Another text says you can blame Biden for the, um, I guess, the oil prices. Is that right? You can blame Biden for that because he restricted oil leases from 37,000 with Trump down to 9,000 leases. That keeps us from exporting oil to Europe like we were when Donald was president. And uh, hi, Brian, your Trump-hating texture tells us gas in Germany is 11 bucks a gallon. I don't know anyone who buys gas there. All the texter needs to know about gas is that on Trump's last day in office, gas was $2. It'll be $2 again after Biden is sent packing. All righty, there you go. There's the uh, latest on the uh, text line. By the way, just a little bit of history for you here at 938. Back in the uh, 20s and 30s, uh, Mussolini, when he came to power in Italy... Here's what uh, they said in Italy. No such idea of adversarial, adversarial journalism, of subjecting the state. Let me back up. No such idea of adversarial journalism, of subjecting the actions of the state to investigation of scrutiny, will be allowed to infect the minds of the nation's newspaper writers and editors. Rather, Mussolini contended that fascism requires militant journalism. The country's newspapers presenting themselves, quote, as a solid block committed to the cause and obscuring or outrightly burying any fact or story antithetical to it. And even more than the post-factum censorship, Mussolini favored the kind of proactive steering of the press, hardly subtle and clearly defining his expectations as both the military and civilian leader of the people. That sounds that interesting from um, go back in history. Just read your history a little bit. And the other thing that I think is a very dangerous slope to get on, man, I've read way too much history, but it's a um, dangerous slope to get on is when you start criminalizing your political opponents. You just criminalize them. They did it in the French Revolution. Um, they, um, they've done it around the world. That's how most of the world operated. That's what makes the First Amendment and the United States such. You talk about you know exceptionalism or the the idea of that the founding fathers came up with all these things: freedom of the press, freedom of religion. They're all really important because they just weren't. It was a new idea. It was like we're not going to give the government the right to take away these things. It's just really important, and uh, that's what uh, is this whole whatever that thing's called, the um, disinformation governance or whatever it is, I mean, that's just it's just a bad slope to get on, let me tell you. I've just read way too much history to know that's that's how it starts. Uh, Bill, how you doing? 
Very well. How are you? Good. What's up? Well, I, I you read that text from the person that wanted to compare gas prices with Germany. Yeah. And people do that all the time, and it's it's completely irrelevant. German gas prices, English gas prices, everybody's gas prices for most of the world are higher than the United States. Mm-hmm. So it's nonsense. A, a valid comparison would be what was it here earlier versus now. If you want to bring Germany into it, you could see how much theirs went up compared to what it was. But to just say, well, Germans are paying more than we are, so it's not a big deal, is, yeah. it's, it's nonsense. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, it's a connection that doesn't. It's kind of uh, like okay, well, that doesn't. How does that help me here? That doesn't. And to the extent that they wanted to say that conservatives would blame it on Biden, um, yeah. I would blame that on Biden because because of our contribution, for lack of a better word, to worldwide inflation, not just United States inflation. Yeah. No, I. I. You know, we 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 were a net exporter here a few years ago, right? Just within the last. Of oil? Well, that's what I understand, but that hasn't been cleared through the disinformation branch yet, so it might not be true. <laughs> yeah. What's disinformation and what's misinformation? Yeah, that's uh, they're conflating the two. Well, thanks for letting me vent. Hey, thank you, Bill. That's why we're here. 942 at uh, DWS here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Uh, we'll talk uh, Tom Jones-Kiwanis uh, Challenger League here in a moment. Uh, let's go to Eric. Hello, Eric. Good morning. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm kind of miserable if I say something. Really? Well, on Tuesday, I was in Bloomington getting a new knee for my left knee. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's painful. I bet. Um, And it's not over by a damn side either, I might add. Um, So, anyway, I just heard the, I think the beginning opening, apparently that Mark Thompson, uh, who's a, a personal friend of mine. Mm-hmm. There's been some, I mean, he must've called in yesterday. I wasn't really in the call in talking mode yesterday, as you might well imagine. I bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, I, I can just tell you that I, if the, I met him because of this radio program, I might tell you. And over several years, we've forged quite a friendship. We attend school board meetings, catch a meal. Sometimes I've been out to his house and it is, uh, amazing what kind of tree stands he has on his properties, and then also the fact he has a full deer processing, the meat processing facility which he cobbled together all by himself. He's pretty hmm. much one of those kind of do everything type of guys that you, you hear about a lot. Hmm. Wow. Now I can understand. I mean, do Mark and I agree on everything? No, but we agree on a lot of things. And there's some people on the program that. I mean, I don't agree on maybe half the things, but I still wouldn't mind having a cup of coffee or something with him. It just depends on as long as, you know, everybody keeps the rhetoric calmed and everything. I think it's all possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's, you know, so that pro, the program has brought people together. I think maybe you might want to consider having some kind of a coffee or something and just have people that, you know, are contributors to the show sit around and uh, and actually look at the people that they've been, you know, jousting with, if you will, on on the, on the airwaves and, and, and find out some of them are not the monsters they think they are or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're human beings, right? Right. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that might be interesting to see. Like, I'd like to see John there. I mean, Bobby, I think Bobby's gone. I wouldn't mind to see him mm. anyway because he's just amused me, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. All right. Well, that's kind of what I got for you today. All right. We'll get better. Well, the torture people are coming by pretty soon, oh, so boy. I'm not looking forward to that. Well, hopefully, all. you'll be up and around. I'll be at the uh, Muhammad Car Show again this year. So, maybe when we'll, is that? That's, that's why around the Fourth of July. Uh, a couple of weeks after that, I think. Somewhere yeah, in there. I it's, should be. I should, if this thing works, I should be able to do. You know, do it. I tried other methods, stem cell therapy, and it didn't work. And so, I bit the bullet on this one, man. <laughs> okay. All right. All well. Right. Hang in there, dude. Have All a right. great rest of your day. Thank you, okay, sir. Take care. All right, 946. Good morning, Brian. How much more money are we going to throw at Ukraine? Our roads and bridges stink. Homeless plague our stoplights. The black community shooting at each other. Illegals entering our country daily that will receive free health care and a bus trip to random cities in the U.S., this listener says. And we're approaching $50 billion in aid to Ukraine. I wonder if Hunter Biden's company will be getting a contract to support the Ukrainians. I don't mind some support, but I'd like to see where all this is going, a texter says. All right, 946 at DWS, Big Mike's Mattress Warehouse, 405 South Neal is where he is. Plenty of mattresses in stock, Spring Air, Therapeutic, Bemco. Mike buys mattresses by the truckload. He has no overhead now. He used to be out at Country Fair, you know, that big building out there. Now he's just in a warehouse on... South Neal can offer even lower prices than before. And uh, here's how you reach him. You just set up an appointment. You say, Mike, I'm going to come see you about a mattress. What time do you want to meet? And he'll say, deal. See you then. It's 217-202-2821. 207-202-2821. That's his direct number. That's what rings in his pocket. And he'll answer it if he's not with another customer. 217-202-2821. And even if he is, he'll get back to you. Because he wants to sell you everything from queens and king sets and everything. Got a computer system, get you any mattress you want. Big Mike's Mattress Warehouse. Proud sponsor here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Give Big Mike a call, 217-202-2821. He's been a big supporter of the uh, Kiwanis Challenger League. We'll talk about that coming up here after this on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Then our Flashback Friday. Nine fifty on a penny for your thoughts here as we head for our uh, flashback Friday. We'll do that here in just a little bit. I want to talk a couple minutes with Rick Shell, who is with the uh, Kiwanis Tom Jones Challenger League. Their season here starting next week. One last text as uh, Mark and his crowd might make very valid points and arguments. I agree with a lot of it. The approach is political poison, though. Chad says the Trump approach is not the way. All Republicans need to get behind DeSantis. He's younger and getting things done the right way so far all right rick is with us how you doing rick i'm doing well brian good, good, good to, to see you yeah good to see you yeah Time to play some challenger league baseball we here. it's we're ready to go we are yeah. excited and i've uh, got a great season ahead for us yeah. now we haven't been able to do much of this the last two years no for we, obvious uh, reasons yeah with the pandemic we had no season two uh two years ago and last year we had an abbreviated fall season well tell us about uh, the kiwanis tom jones challenger league first of all talk about tom jones 
Well, Tom, our, Joe, late, our late friend, our our late friend, um, decided uh, you know using a wheelchair since he was uh, six mm-hmm. years old through a illustrious career of uh, participating in track and basketball and being a, a broadcaster as well mm-hmm. as a real advocate for those with uh, disabilities. It was Tom's dream to have a league for those. Uh, uh, who were cognitively, physically uh, disabled to to enjoy the game of baseball. So uh, he started the league in 1998, and then uh, when he passed away in 2008, um, uh, the league was named for, for for Tom. So it's the Tom Jones Challenger League, and the lead sponsor is the Champaign-Urbana Kiwanis Club, and we are celebrating our 25th season this year. 25th year. The uh, For more than 70 years, the uh, Champaign-Urbana Noon Kiwanis Club course has uh, sponsored Little League Baseball in general. Yep, and we kicked that season off last week, so That's it right. was great. Yeah. That's just underway, too. So. So how can uh, kids get involved? How can their parents get involved? Because the biggest thing I've enjoyed, Dave, uh, another late friend, Dave Shaw, got me involved. I think he may have gotten you involved he sure as did. well uh, in the league. So this was a great avenue. He really loved it. And, um, heck, there's a tree out there planted in Dave's honor uh, near to Ambuck's Field there in Urbana. But talked about what an impact it had on the kids but on their families too. Yes, it did. Uh, um, Tom always believed that uh, this was uh, – uh, some time during the week that uh, young people with disabilities could get out and uh, hit, run, score, and uh, enjoy the game of baseball. And at the same time, their parents could be um, get, enjoy that in a different kind of way, be participants and, and yet be part of, uh, of the great game. When do they typically play? Well, we are starting our season uh, next Tuesday, May 3rd, uh, 6 p.m. out at Ambux Field in Urbana. We play every Tuesday and Saturday in uh, May and June. Got 107 kids, you told me? Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, we, uh, As of last week, 107 uh, young people have signed up, and uh, we're ready to go. We have 10 great sponsors this year from uh, local organizations and uh, a couple of special uh, events this year, too. I'll just mention real quickly, we've got uh, Celebrity Night on May 31st, Tuesday evening, uh, games at 6 and uh, 7 o'clock, and leaders from our community come out and participate mm-hmm. in that. And then we've got Illini Night on uh, June 14th, where the the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics uh, comes out. Administrators and coaches help work with the kids on that evening. Yeah, that's always a fun night uh, to be involved in that. And uh, I've been a, a coach uh, for many years. Over the years, I've enjoyed that thoroughly. And a lot of these, just watching these kids grow up, it's been I mean, from little kids, I think it starts, what, at age six, roughly? We, uh, yeah, the, the, the uh, international rule is called six to 21, but we're flexible on that. Um, you know, we invite people to come out if they want to enjoy the game. So if people want to sign up, can they still, if somebody's listening and they say, yeah, I've got a young person that I think I'd like to do this. Sure. Um, we, we will entertain uh, registrations uh, at any time. And uh, those that want to volunteer and come out and buddy up with the players, the yep. best way to get a hold of us is www.tomjonesleague.org. And uh, all the information you need is right there on that website, registration, how to volunteer, and our schedule. And if you, don't, if you didn't catch any of that or all of that, uh, just let me know, and I'll, I'll get in touch with Rick and, and Tom Gray and others, and we'll get you lined up. But... Uh, and I know the buddies talk about that a little bit because we can we take groups that uh, we've got other teams, yes. people that just want to help the players on the field. Yeah, we have uh, local organizations, little league, uh, middle school teams, high school uh, bring their uh, squads out and they mm-hmm. they team up with the players and they assist them on the field uh, to help elevate both their hitting, fielding, and running skills. And it's a big yeah. it's a big deal. And you don't have to be part of a team; you can just come out if you want to help. You Absolutely. Log and bring, or bring some people from work or whatever the case may be. So. You, you got it. Yeah. 
All right, go to the uh, website, and uh, what is that again? www.tomjonesleague.org. All right, starting May 3rd, if you have a youngster who'd like to participate, join the 107 that are playing with us here starting next week. All right, we'll take a break. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Back in a moment. All right, when you have a uh, baseball field, you need it uh, looking good, right? And Spring Green, now nearly 40 years in business, locally family-owned and operated Spring Green, been committed to beautifying your neighborhood through quality service and professionalism. They offer aeration, fertilizing, weed care, disease control, lawn insect control, seeding, tree and shrub, house perimeter insect control, and more. Guys to call are J.T. Warmbeer, Steve Emke. Give them a call, 217-359-2111, or visit spring-green.com spring-green.com spring green one of our great sponsors here on a penny for your thoughts okay uh, flashback friday coming up in the next hour here's the question for today and th- you can go a variety of ways on this but who taught you to drive who was your driving instructor or who told when mom and dad took you out or you learned to drive on what kind of vehicle now, see, I grew up on a farm, so I was driving stuff, I think, by the age of 10 or 11, maybe 12, with it driving a tractor or driving the pickup truck or whatever it was on the farm. I mean, I think the statute of limitations has run out on this. So if you were driving at a really young age, or who just who taught you to drive? And what was that experience like? And did you run into something the first time you tried it? Um, what do you remember about that? And if you if you remember what kind of car it was you drove, that you learned to drive on, if it was a stick shift, was it a pickup truck, was it a dump truck, was it a grain truck, was it a tractor? Uh, if you've got some stories, anything connected to that, it kind of uh, prompts a memory on your behalf. Uh, let's talk about it here in the next hour, okay? So who taught you how to drive? Do you remember the vehicle? If you don't, that's fine. Uh, how old were you? And it's okay if you were underage. We won't tell anybody. Okay? Who taught you how to drive? Give me the story on it. Next, WDWS Champaign-Urbana on a Flashback Friday at the end of April. We're back on A Penny for Your Thoughts. It's our monthly Flashback Friday. We do this at the end of the month, every month, last hour of the last Friday. And uh, some months, you know, it's like another eight, you know, seven days roughly before the end of the month. This is about it. Uh, tomorrow's the end of the month. So this is the Friday we're doing this on. Uh, by the way, the news at the top of the hour was brought to you by our friends at Luther Falls Custom Kitchens, Granite and Quartz. Price is starting at just $35 per square foot installed, 2706 North Mattis. In Champaign, visit online at lutherfalls.com. And one leftover comment, uh, Brian, just want to say what a wonderful program Challenger League is. My son participated years back, and when his sister and brother joined us, they immediately wanted to be a buddy. 
it was very rewarding for all of us. Uh, Challenger League is truly a blessing, and I would say amen to that. So anyway, just wanted to uh, share that. Go to the uh, Tom Jones uh, Kiwanis uh, Challenger League website for more information. All right, question today in our Flashback Friday is who taught you how to drive? Do you remember? Was it mom? Was it dad? Was it grandpa? Did you learn to drive a tractor first? Did you... What did, what did you drive? You can remember the car. Was it a stick shift or not a stick shift? Did you run into something when you first started driving, learning to drive, um, or back into something? Or did you do just fine? Or was it easy? Was it hard? Whatever you want to say. And uh, Karen York is with us here. You've got, hang on, you mean to get the right mic. Here we go, the right, the right mic. mic. Yes. Yes. Uh, who taught you how to drive? To begin with, it was my dad, because mm-hmm. my mother did not drive. Okay. So... Then um, at Central, it was Coach Woolley. So he he taught me. Um, I did not want to learn to drive. Hmm. I did not want to get my license. I did not care about any of that. My mom was a huge force in that to make sure I got my license because she did not drive. She drove at one point, and then she got in an argument with my dad about driving, and she said, I'm never driving again, and she stuck to it. So there's six kids going to the grocery store, six kids doing, so, yeah. yeah. The same story with your sisters? Yeah. Did they want to drive? Yeah, they all did. I just had no desire. I still don't like to drive. But you learned pretty quick? Yeah. I don't, I was not, I remember taking my test and great, great guy, he goes, you can go a little faster and you can go around (laughs) the corners a little faster, so... Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was not, it was not something I really mm-hmm. ever wanted to do. But Coach Woolley was an amazing, you know, mm-hmm. instructor. So he mm-hmm. had to learn to parallel park. Which if yeah. you went to Central, that's what you had to. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have to know that because I lived a house away. But right, everybody okay. else learned. My kids all know how to parallel park easily. But when so. your dad taught you, you remember what vehicle it was? Uh, it was a blue. It was our family car. I, it was a Chevy of some sort, just okay. a four-door basic. No radio, nothing. Nothing was on. You, all you do is concentrate on, you know, backing out. And, mm-hmm. and my dad had been a, a milkman before he was a fireman, so mm-hmm. the same things. You know, you okay. look out for this, and it's the other driver. But And he had a lot of patience, for sure, teaching five girls. I bet. To, drive <laughs> so. okay but was, anyway was it a stick or not oh stick? no no i okay. i never did learn to drive a stick never did no yeah. i wish i did because yeah. kind of fun it looks cool it is i mean and dale knows of course mm-hmm. from driving a ups truck and everything else but yeah i never did learn that and i'm not sure it would be advisable at this <laughs> late date to to learn unless i'm out in the country somewhere yeah for sure okay so, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great. If Bob wants to come Great in, subject. he can. I'll get him. Okay. All right. Uh, we'll have Bob Saccone join us here, too, in a minute. Uh, but there you go. That's what we're looking for as far as your uh, experience when you learned to drive. Who was it that taught you? You remember the vehicle you learned to drive in? Was it a stick, not a stick? Um, I'm trying to remember. We had the pickup truck, of course. Oh, man, I'm trying to think. And our house was uh, down there west of Tolono. It was a quarter mile from Grandma's house. Uh, we were right near the interstate. She was back at the corner there at 800 North. They're west of Champaign. So I drove the pickup frequently as probably 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. Um, if Dad needed, hey, can you go pick up 
something from the barn and drive from the house on the country road up to the barn and come back. I mean, I could do that. So I was doing that when I was pretty young. And, of course, driving a tractor, you learned how to operate a clutch and all that. So that's kind of interesting. I got one here. It says, my grandpa, I was 13, driving him to Danville, VA, and all over Champaign-Urbana. He knew all the cops. (laughs) 1973 Cadillac, says Mike in Champaign. Okay, that's a good one. 13 years old. Driving all over Champaign-Urbana with his grandfather. And he knew all the cops. I like that. Bob Ciccone, Circulation. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good. How, where did you, how, who taught you how to drive? And we were talking about this morning. So I graduated from Centennial High School. So Coleman Carradine was my student drive teacher. Really? And um, he was, you know what, he was good at everything he did. But he was especially patient <laughs> is the best way to describe it. Um, doing student drive and um, you know back in the day you know there were three of us in the car you know so you have one driver he's up front and then two guys mm-hmm. in the back and and um, but he, he just he had incredible patience and you know his his voice you know it was just mm-hmm. calming and direct and so yeah it's quite the experience mm-hmm. so he was your uh, at school yeah Did anybody else teach you Try to teach you how to um, so drive. we were um, so that's just normal drive, but um, yeah. it turns out that my first car that I got was a uh, Plymouth Duster, '67 Plymouth Duster. That was a three on the tree, if you remember mm-hmm. the cars back then. And uh, one of my uncles, uh, who lives in Wisconsin now, he taught me how to drive a stick. And um, but at the time they were living in Palatine, so I got my uh, clutch driving instruction on the freeways around Chicagoland. So, and as has always been told, because I live here, but I have relatives who live up north, um, you know, uh, the Chicagoland area, it's a great place to drive if you're visiting, but you wouldn't want to live there. But that's how I learned how to drive a stick was on the expressways mm. of Chicagoland. Yeah. So, um, mm. so those were my two driving instructors. There you go. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bob Ciccone with the News Gazette. All right, there's a couple of examples. Let's go to the phones here. Herb is with us. How you doing, Herb? I'm fine, Brian. How are you doing? Good. What do you got I for enjoyed me? Your, oh, I enjoyed your story about the Florida. But here's the deal. I'm uh, Jim figured out I'm an old guy. Uh, my dad started running a service station in the early 50s. And uh, when I was 14, I started working for him. And I just uh, had to drive cars in and out of the the uh, service bay, and I drove a lot of old 40s and early 50s cars. Most of them back then were sticks. Uh, and then I, I got my license in a 1954 Ford that had the three-speed stick in it. Hmm. Uh, then, then later on, when I, I went to work for Super Value or J.M. Jones there in, in Urbana, and uh, I started out driving a straight truck for them. Actually, you maybe you don't remember the old Spudnut shops? Hmm. No, I don't think and, I do. Yeah. Well, I delivered to them, and I went to work one morning, and they said my truck was broke, and would you mind taking a tractor and trailer? <laughs> So I climbed in that and went to Pekin and Bloomington and whatever and come back. And they said, well, 
if you since you didn't wreck it, <laughs> we're going to send you out and get your license. And I went out uh, west there on Bradley and did my driving and ended up with the that was before CDL. I got my class D or whatever. It wow. Was. And how old were you driving the rig? Well, I would have been, let's see, that would have been early. That would have been uh, mid sixties, so okay. I would have been. Uh, I was twenty some years. Oh, old. okay, okay. But I was I was driving the uh, the power truck here in Homer. Used to it was a big old double decker thing, and they kept it in our station. And I learned to drive that when I was fourteen. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, that's cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thank so, you, Herb. Anyway, I pre- I appreciate it. That's my story. <laughs> Very good. Good to hear your story. Thank you. Ten eighteen at DWS. By the way, Illinois baseball will be coming up here at the top of the hour, so we're going to go right to that at 11. We'll probably leave a little bit short of 11, a little shy of 11, to give Scott some uh, time to get kind of on the runway. So if you want to get your thoughts in on this, we're talking about uh, who taught you how to drive or anything connected to that. Do you remember the... the when you were taught how to drive, what it was, what is the stick, was it not a stick, how old were you, were you driving when you were 10, uh, and people didn't know it. Statue of Limitations is out. We'll keep it between you and me uh, on this regard. <laughs> but uh, And I'm one of those that had to plead guilty because I was driving well before age 16. But uh, any any stories connected to that? If you had a driving instructor you were particularly fond of that you remember? We've had a couple of mentioned today at Centennial and Central. A uh, text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line says, I first drove a Ford Falcon in the parking lot of Winterland Ice Rink in Springfield, Illinois, at 12 years old. Well, there you go. You taught yourself, I guess. (laughs) Okay. And another listener says, I was the last of six kids, five of them girls. My dad took me to the parking lot of St. Matthew's Church when it was empty. He started me at age 12. Then I was completely ready for school's driver's ed class when it was my turn. Yeah, by the time I got to driver's ed class, I was like, in fact, sometimes you can almost be overconfident. Oh, yeah, I know this. And what was the thing, and my folks at Unity are going to have to remember, that we had Ted Livingood um, as was our driving instructor. And what is it when you when you were ready to change lanes? It was signal, signal glance, move and cancel, something like that. I think there was some um, acronym he had for that. But you glance in the mirror, you turn the signal, you glance, you look over your shoulder. Now they've got these things on the mirrors now, of course, that tell you, it'll flash a little light at you if you're moving over in the lane too quickly. All right, 1020, Ed is with us. How you doing, Ed? Hi, thank you for taking my call. You bet. Uh I'm I'm from Michigan originally, and we uh, my driver's ed teacher. I for some reason I still remember his name from the '60s was Mr. Angel, and he took three of us out uh, on a Saturday to a, a driving, and we went out from the suburb of Detroit to Belleville on I-94, and I got to drive back. He stopped. We stopped at a Howard Johnson, and he bought us all cokes, and then I got to drive back, and he told me to, it was a straight ramp to get on the expressway. He said, look over your shoulder, look in the mirror, pick your spot, and take it. 
and I was doing that, and he said, you're not going fast enough. I said, I got it. I think I got it all the way down. It was an old Ford Falcon stick ship. <laughs> and eventually he put his foot on top of mine to get going even faster, but uh, there was uh, there was something different back then. Absolutely. So were you pretty scared? And the only, yeah, a little bit. First time on the expressway. Yeah. <laughs> the, only, the only time in my life, I, the only time in my life I wanted to be a year older was my dad had a '57 Chevy Bel Air four door, and I think it had a super hot engine in it because he worked for the Department of Public Works in Allen Park, Michigan, and he was also a special cop, and he knew all the police cars. And the story goes that he took our '57 Chevy up on the expressway and kept with the Allen Park police cars. <laughs> so it was the only time in my life I wanted to be a year older because I never really got to drive that car. Oh. We only had it for five years. Oh, wow. Yep, that would have been something else. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Well, very good, Ed. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let me get a break in. 1022 at DWS, our flashback Friday, here on A Penny for Your Thoughts as we come your way. Ryan Dallas Real Estate. Number one in home sold. They have a pre-launch plan to prepare your home and get you the most money. More than 250 families served already in 2022, and that number is growing. A team of professionals at Ryan Dallas Real Estate working hard to meet the demand of buyers right now. They have uh, new homes and coming soon homes as well. Uh, success stories in Champaign. A home in Champaign sold before it hit the market. A home in Muhammad sold above list price in just days. Only one call to make. Ryan Dallas Real Estate. 833-595-SOLD, or go to ryandallasre.com. All right, a couple of others here that have come in, and uh, let's see here. I just remember forgetting to turn the volume of the stereo down in the car after I drove it as a teenager. My dad would get so angry. Ah, the memories of that. <laughs> okay. And, uh, hey, Brian, a, a bit of a similar story to yours. Grew up on a farm in Douglas County. My dad taught me to drive and could be a bit gruff when he was busy farming. I must have been about 11 years old. His instructions were to bring the farm pickup truck back to the field a couple of miles away. This was an old Ford pickup with standard manual shift on the column. I was the only one in the truck. I still remember his instruction to this day, first gear is up and then down one. That was all the instruction I got. I had to figure everything else out. Uh, let's see here. The interpretation of that instruction should have been pull the shifter up towards the steering wheel and then click the lever down for first gear. Lever up for reverse. Second and third was the shifter in the original position, if I recall, Kevin says. Seems like yesterday. Well, there you go. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin's a CPA, tells me now. So, hey, we all learned to drive at some point, right? So when was it? Who taught you? Do you remember your driving instructor at your school? Or it was your mom or your dad or your grandparents or your brother? Or you did it yourself? Um, statute of limitations has run out on the age. So if you were young, that's like me. You were probably underage. Whatever works, you can share it with us here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Back in a moment.
All right, we're back. Penny, for your thoughts here, 1029, a uh, flashback Friday. I remember what it was. So we're talking about when you learned to drive. Who taught you? Did you learn to drive how? Uh, was it mom, dad? Was it your driving instructor? Did you never learn? Was it a stick? Was it not a stick? Remember the car uh, that you drove to learn to drive on? I was mentioning my driving instructor down at Unity that all of us had, uh, Mr. Livingood. Uh, I think, and I'm trying to think it was did Mr. Minor also teach drivers that I can't remember. But anyway, I had Ted Livingood. Uh, he said, mirror, signal, glance, move, and cancel. That's what it was. Mirror, signal, glance, move, and cancel. It came back to me. Somewhere in the recesses of my mind, it kicked in. And one of the things he always taught us was the first thing you do before you move the car is you look behind the car to see if anything is behind the car. I still remember that. Uh, 1030 at DWS here on a penny for your thoughts. Let's go to the phones here to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good, good. Um, my driving instructor, uh, I graduated in Central 72, was uh, Gene Ward. <clears throat> and uh, he's a good guy. You know, I just, mm-hmm. um, I think you've got to be pretty calm to be a high school driving instructor. <laughs> yeah. And he, but his famous saying was, you getting ready for the Indy 500? <laughs> he said that all the time. <laughs> and like, I'd like to, well, you're not, now slow down, you know, and he was just, you know, that's the way they were back then. Um, I learned how to drive, uh, really for my brother, um, uh, Steve Moore, he was five, six years older than I was. So when he had to, you know, babysit once in a while, the little kid or something, I was out there. It's not a matter of when you started, I guess, but somewhere eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, something like that. You know, he, he'd take me out in his car. And he had a uh, Le Mans that had a four-speed, the 326. It wasn't blinding fast, but it was fast enough to have fun with a four-speed. So I just learned it. I've always been a gearhead. I had a lawnmower that I would drive around. that had no blade on it. Mm-hmm. I, I souped it up, and I'd drive it all over the place. <laughs> so this story is called The Longest 24 Hours. I, uh, uh, I had a 1950 Oldsmobile, three, three of the tree, you know, flat edge six. So I was going to and I couldn't wait. And back then, you knew to the day when you were going to turn 16. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a huge day. Now you can drive. And so I, um, that day came. And, of course, we were down at the driver's ed at, I think, you know, 730. You know, I didn't want to wait any more minutes than I had to get my license. So I passed all the tests and everything. I've been driving all kinds of stuff for quite a while. And I went out. And me and the instructor, we're going down Church Street in Champaign, and I'm in the right-hand lane, and all of a sudden the guy goes, goes um, turn left here. Well, you know, I, I grew up in a household, you know, the police are your friends, do as they say, respect your elders, all this kind of stuff, and which is good. And he told me to turn left there, and I looked in the mirror, and there's a car to, to my left. Mm. So I, I just slowed down. There was no cars behind me, thank God. Almost came to a stop. And when that car passed me, I turned left <laughs> and did it. Well, he flunked me. Wow. I'm going, and I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with this guy because I wanted to drive so bad. I told all my friends, you know, tonight we're going to have a car and all this kind of stuff. I'm going, you told me to turn there. <laughs> I did what you said. <laughs> you know, I did everything else fine. Mm. And he just chuckled and he goes, well, 
you were right on top of the street. You were in the wrong lane, which I understand that. I set you up. He goes, I wanted to see what you'd do. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, you did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You should have gone around the block because <laughs> I told you too late to turn there. Yep. Well, let's do it again. I'll go around the block as many times as you want. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's like, no, no, I did, you know, you, I think you learned something. Uh, you come back tomorrow and we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do it again. Mm. And man, I was so forlorn and heartbroken. Uh, <laughs> that's the longest 24 hours I've ever spent. I bet. I bet. So you did okay yeah. the next day though, huh? Next day I got it done. Yeah. Good. Good. I had to call my buddies up and say, hey, tonight's off. <laughs> <laughs> That's but an awesome anyway. story. Yeah, that's that's a long 24 hours for sure. Well, thank you. Yes, it was. Thank yep. you, Jack. And good show. Thank, thank you. you. Thank I appreciate you. it. No, good story. That's great. It's the stories that make the show. I'm just here to facilitate it. But thank you. Uh, hi, Brian. Uh, Joe G here. My Grandpa Smith taught me how to drive a Super M tractor. I believe I was six or seven. Holy cow. He put wooden blocks on the clutch and the brake pedal so I could reach them. This was the late 60s. My job was to haul corn across the road back to the farmstead. A few years later, I was driving a 1961 Ford F100, three-speed on the tree, out and about on the farm. Great times. Thanks for doing this today, Brian. Brings back great memories. Very happy to do it. 1034. Let's go to Eunice on the line. Hi, Eunice. Hi. Hi. Hi, um... I wanted to call because I was listening and it reminded me of when my brother started me driving. He didn't really fi- finish teaching me, but he started. Um, he came back from World War II and bought an old uh, delivery truck that uh, had a crankshaft. You had to use the crank to crank it. Had four on the floor with the clutch pedal. You had uh, had a magneto, which I can't remember exactly what it did. I remember you had to set it, and uh, the, you started to pump the gas up with a little uh, pull thing on the on the dash. You had to jiggle that, pull it back and forth to pump the gas up into it. <laughs> and once you got it going and started shifting, you were okay. But it was four on the floor. <laughs> wow. And I was just, uh, I think I was about 10 years old. Wow. Going on 11 years old. Yeah. So people were driving pretty early back yeah. then. Yeah, and then yeah. my dad had a Plymouth with the uh, rumble seat, and that's the car that I learned to really drive on. Hmm. Well, good stuff, and you've been a good driver ever since, I'm sure. Yeah, so yeah. far so good. <laughs> If they if they renew my license this well, time, I hope they will. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting up there in age, so I, I understand. Okay, thank you, Eunice. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Ten thirty six. Better get a break in. Back with more here. Penny, for your thoughts. We're uh, talking when you learned to drive, how you learned to drive, who taught you, etc. Here on a penny for your thoughts. Alani baseball coming up here just shy of the top of the hour.
We're on a penny for your thoughts. Those are some of the uh, songs of our Flashback Friday we do at the uh, last hour, the last Friday of every month, and we have a lot of fun with it, and we get a lot of great response. And we appreciate you being with us here today. Hope you'll be at the Champaign Public Library next week, an evening with Scott Tarot, Thursday, May 5th at 7. Number one New York Times bestselling author of Presumed Innocent and the Last Trial, one of the great authors coming to the Champaign Public Library. And a weekly story times at the main library, Babies Love Books, Mondays, 945, 1015, 1045, Tuesday, Toddler Tales, Wednesday, Ready, Set, Read. And that's at the main library, weekly story times at the Douglas Branch, Thursday, Babies Love Books, Friday, Toddler Tales, and uh, they've got some books for all ages to participate there in story time. And if you want to learn more about uh, connecting with others, hands-on workshops, your skills, connecting with other writers, or maybe starting a new business, all available. Entrepreneurship um, lessons as well. Some experts there at the Champaign Public Library. Hope you'll check it out. Uh, one of our sponsors here on Penny. 1041. All right, here's some other ones. Uh, learning how to drive. Okay. And let's see here. We've got some good ones. Gene Ward was my teacher, talking about who taught you how to drive. One thing uh, Gene was obsessed with was making sure not to drive an unregistered vehicle. Yeah, that would be important. I like this one. Uh, my wife didn't learn to drive until shortly after I met her when she was 26 and had just moved to Champaign. She learned on an old junker car that had a manual transmission. Thank God it was a junker since by the time she was done... The transmission was shot. We had to have the car towed from the side of the country road where it died while she was driving it. Didn't phase her, though. She's been driving for 24 years now and is a great driver, although she refuses to drive in Chicago. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Livingood, I mentioned him at uh, Unity, had some bad winters to teach kids to drive. Yes, he did. No wonder he left teaching and went to the U.S. Postal Service. That's where he wound up, all right? Uh, my brother and I, a texter says, drove when we were six years old. We took turns driving and pushing gas pedal in the brakes until older brother came home on Sunday morning and saw the car moving and nobody driving. The parents were at church, and Mom got a hold of us later. Didn't tell Dad because we got it good. Yeah, I bet. And, hey, Brian, I was 14. My dad was a volunteer fireman from Mulberry Grove Township. He let me drive the fire truck down the block and back. Getting it out of first gear was a problem, but I made it. And, hey, Brian, this is a current funny. Uh, married for 35 years, adults. Husband buys a Challenger Hellcat. Did I say that right? Hellcat, sorry. Uh, has key fobs. He gives wife the fob that only allows 500 horsepower. He has the fob that accesses 717 horsepower. <laughs> 1043 at DWS. I Baseball coming up at the top of the hour. Bill is with us. Hi, Bill. Good morning. Good morning. Back in... Uh... 1952, I was 14, and you could get your driver's license at 15. So at Urbana High School, I took driver's training. Our instructor was a, named Nate Johnson. Hmm. He was an ex-pro football player, had played tackle at, for the New York Yankees. And we were in a new Pontiac stick shift with, up on the column. One of the things he liked to do as we drove around was tell us stories about his football days. Another thing he liked to do was to take us out on Country Club Road uh, by Woodlawn Cemetery where there's a uphill curve. Mm -hmm. He would have you pull up there and stop, 
shut off the engine. Start the engine and try to keep it from rolling backwards because it was a stick shift. Yep. It was very interesting how he did things. And he uh, was a good instructor. He was the line coach for the football team at that time. Hmm. And was he pretty patient? He was very patient. Yeah. Uh, he was uh, very demanding in the in the way that he wanted things done. He would he would not abide by a lot a lot of the ways drivers do things today out on the roads that I've seen. And at the conclusion of the class, would, a lot of us would turn fifteen right shortly after, and we could get our driver's license hmm. at that time. Interesting. Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a great memory. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. Uh, 1045 at DWS. We'll uh, to cut out a little early. We'll be going another 10 minutes here, and then we'll have to, we'll have to split uh, for baseball. But we'll get here as many as we can. Uh, let's see. I learned to drive, Brian, at age 14 in the country with my brother in an old clunker. On my first day of driver's ed, I nearly put my instructor through the windshield, never having been in a car with power brakes before. The instructor had a meltdown and maybe spend the rest of the class learning how to use those darn power brakes. <laughs> uh, another text says, I was running the Cub Cadet when I was six. Graduated the 656 Farmel Tractor next when I was seven or eight. By the time I was in third grade, I was missing days of school to run the tractor in the spring and fall. Was hauling a wagon tractor through the elevator when 10, Aaron says. Yeah, that's one of the first things I did, too, was... Take the, um, you know, put the tractor with the grain wagon and haul it over to either Sidoris or to the elevator in Tolona, whichever. And um, and the one out there at Apex, they're west of Tolono. Did some of that, did a lot of that, underage, of course. Uh, farm boy here, a listener says, it was either an 8N Ford tractor around the barnyard and farm buildings or a 1954-to-one-ton farm truck out of the wheat field where there was nothing to hit. Both times it would have been under the age of 10, I'm sure. Dad gave instructions to me on both. Reaching pedals and turning the steering wheel were both difficult. No power steering in those days. Oh, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. But when I was about that age, there were tractors that did have power steering and the ones that didn't. And man, you knew the difference. Let me tell you, you knew the difference. I didn't have, I wouldn't, didn't be very uh, experienced to understand power steering. Man, did that make a difference. All right. Uh, 1047. You can take out some fence rows if you didn't know what you were doing. Hi, Gary. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. Uh, wanted to tell you, uh, I started driver's training class in April of 56 at Urbana High School, and the driving instructor at that time was Oscar Adams, who was a legend in, in Urbana. He Absolutely, yeah. He also ran the uh, Tiger's Den for a long, long time. And we had a Sullivan Chevrolet had given us or loaned us a 55 Chevy. I think it was probably a six-cylinder straight with uh, the, uh, the three on the on the column. But the interesting thing about that car, Brian, there was a dual set of brakes and clutches. So if we got into real trouble, Oscar would hit the brake and the clutch at the same time. And I don't know how many times they had to reline those brakes over a period of a year. <laughs> but I don't think that would have been a used car to have ever bought. No. <laughs> uh, 
but he was a great he was a great instructor but he was great with kids and i think there was three or four of us in the car at the time and i think at the end you got a certificate you could take to the driver's training place and of course when you're 15 going to be 16 in uh, june of of uh 56 the only you couldn't you weren't thinking about english math and science you were just thinking about <laughs> getting the driver's license and getting out there mm-hmm. but it was a great experience but it was straight shifts back in those days, and uh, obviously there was no power steering. I don't even think there were seat belts in those cars at the time. Oh, probably not. Oh, so no, we've I... come a long way yeah, in terms have. of trying to train these kids after uh, after all those years. Absolutely. But it was a great experience. It was a great experience, and uh, Oscar did a great job for us. Hey, great stories, Gary. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you're welcome. it. Thank Good you. Good to hear from bye you. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Ten forty nine at DWS. All right, let's see here. Uh, I went to a Catholic school, our listener says, Providence, so I had Brother Sebastian teach me to drive, even though I grew up on a farm. I drove on I-80. Going 45 was really fast to me then. Another lesson was driving in Chicago on 95th Street, Kathy says. All right, talking about, thank you, Kathy, talking about uh, learning how to drive, when to drive, and who taught you, and so forth. My 94-year-old mother says she did not have a driver's license until she was 22, an emailer says she grew up on a farm near Jamaica, had three older brothers and later boyfriends who could drive her where she needed to go. She took driver's ed at Catlin High School but never thought she needed to get a driver's license. When she and my dad were first married, he was a student at the U of I and she was a nurse, so she would just walk to work. After they moved to the family farm near Indianola and she became pregnant, she thought maybe she should have a driver's license. Her mother-in-law took her to the courthouse in Danville. She did not take a written or driving test just paid a fee and got her license. 1050 at DWS. Great, great story there. Let's go to Rich. Good morning, Rich. Good morning. Oh, another farm boy here. Yep. Oh, I waited on to drive as so my feet could reach the pedals. I think I was between eight and nine, <laughs> and our tractors were too big, but our neighbors had a little WD Alice, one of those little orange tractors. You know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh, I've heard of those, yep. And the seat was a little closer to the steering wheel, and you could I could reach the pedals. And as soon as I could reach the pedals, first job was pulling the hay rack back to the field to get hay when we bailed in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. When I took driver's ed, it's kind of a funny story. There was a girl in the in my there was three of us, and there was a girl. She was a senior. We were young, of course, and she she had never even been in a car. I don't think behind the wheel anyway. We're driving down the street and. The circuit says, all right, Melissa, we're getting near an intersection. He says, turn right here. And so she did. Unfortunately, we weren't quite to the intersection yet. <laughs> up over the curb, up over the curb, we were by a parking lot, for thank goodness, and right into the parking lot. And he was the most patient man I've ever known. He said, not here, Melissa, a little farther. <laughs> turn right here. Okay. Turn yep. right here, and she did turn she right did. there. Right there. Wow, that's a great story. All right. Thank you, fellow farm boy. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. One more little quickie. My my dad showed me how you should teach kids how to drive. My daughters, when they got big enough to drive, 11, 12, he took them out in the hay field with his old truck and just put them behind the wheel and turned them loose in the big old field. Hay field. You couldn't hit anything. There was nothing in the way. No fences, no nothing. And they learned how to drive like that. It worked out pretty good. <laughs> yep, it does. That's good. Great idea. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Have a great, have a great weekend.
Thanks. Good good to have you with us. 10.52, a couple minutes to go here. Uh, Texter says, a few years ago I planned on renting a car in Europe where most cars have manual transmissions. In the months before the trip, I could not find a local central Illinois driving school that would teach me how to drive a stick. None of my friends had a manual transmission either. Luckily, the rental agency did have an automatic transmission car on the day I got there. Still would like to learn how to drive a stick. Yeah, I actually uh, took a job. I was right out of college. I took a job. I was in between baseball gigs, I think, and um, I delivered delivered copies uh, for, uh, I forget the name of the place. It was a printing shop, basically, and my job was to be a runner. I, you know, somebody ordered a whatever amount of paper, and so I had to take the paper and deliver it. Well, they only had stick shifts. I mean, that, and I never driven. I mean, I'd driven a tractor. I mean, so I kind of knew, but I had not driven a car with a stick shift. And uh, they were actually, they hired me anyway. And then uh, one of the um, guys that worked there sent one of the other guys out and said, hey, t- take him out, teach him how to, <laughs> to drive a stick shift car. And I thought I knew. I mean, I thought, yeah, it's pretty similar to a tractor. It was similar, but there was a little bit of difference. And the biggest thing was pulling up on. Uh, railroad tracks at an incline. One of our callers mentioned that, and so you'd you'd be sitting there waiting on the train and trying not to back into the car behind you, who was waiting to cross the tracks as well. And that was kind of frightening. But I eventually got it figured out. I got to be pretty good. In fact, one of the I think the second car I bought had a stick shift. Now the car was terrible. It was a Dodge Omni. It broke down constantly, but it was a stick, and I learned I got to be pretty good at it. So I would wouldn't mind doing that again at some point. All right, thank you for all of those. Those are awesome, and I really do appreciate it. If you uh, send them in, I'll, uh, I'll tack them on Monday in the open line segment on Monday morning at 9 if you'd like to uh, send them in, and we'll, we'll get them on the air. But I'm, I am out of time today. We've got Illini baseball starting here in about 30 seconds, headed for a high today of 65, hopefully not some storms. We'll see over the weekend what they look like. Illini baseball moved up their game from tonight to Starting here in just a few minutes. Scott Beatty will bring you all that. Thanks to Blake Landa. Thanks to Rick Shell for coming by. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. Max Armstrong joins us in the 10 o'clock hour on Monday. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois baseball straight ahead.